Welcome to Everyday Wellness Podcast. I'm your host, nurse practitioner, Cynthia Thurlow. This podcast is designed to educate, empower, and inspire you to achieve your health and wellness goals. My goal and intent is to provide you with the best content and conversations from leaders in the health and wellness industry each week and impact over a million lives. Today is a very special podcast. I am joined by Scott Emmons, who is the president of MD Logic, and also Kara Lazaskus. She is a certified strength and conditioning specialist and has a graduate degree in molecular muscle exercise physiology with a background in sports medicine. Today, we dove deep into information surrounding supplements in the sports and performance fields. We talked about the rigors of the FDA GMP and the need for quality when we're looking at supplementation. We spoke at great length about the value of creatine monohydrate, the benefits, common misconceptions, and age-related changes that impact metabolic health, specifically skeletal muscle and the quote-unquote metabolic sink. We reviewed how brain metabolism can be supported with the utilization of creatine, especially in stages of sleep, impacting memory, cognition, and attention, as well as the synthesis of neurotransmitters. We spoke about gender-related differences, specifically about women and their menstrual cycle, perimenopause and menopause, and how estrogen influences creatine and creatine kinase, the impact of depression rates, which are higher in women, and how creatine can be beneficial in reducing our risk for depression, as well as influencing BDNF, which is brain-derived neurotrophic factor, which is essentially fertilizer for neurons in our brains. We spoke about dosing, the reasons why I decided to align with MD Logic in creating creatine monohydrate and how their safety and security standards are unmatched. We also spoke about some upcoming discounts on creatine holiday dates, including creatine monohydrate going on sale for 20% off from December 22nd to January 5th, and also upcoming discounts on melatonin, which is my favorite form of melatonin that MD Logic makes. I hope you will enjoy this conversation as much as I did recording it. I facilitated a lot of the questions that I've been receiving across social media. And if you like and enjoy this podcast, please help me obtain more reviews. These really do help exposing the podcast to more people. Nearly every single day across social media, I have people reaching out, telling me how much this podcast has helped them, help their loved ones, their friends, their family. Please leave a ratings and review on iTunes. If you're able to do so, I will endeavor to be so very grateful. Enjoy the podcast. Welcome, Kara. Welcome, Scott. It's so good to have you on the podcast today. Thank you. Pleasure to be here. Thank you. Absolutely. Let's start the conversation. Obviously, in the podcast intro, I provided listeners with a little bit of perspective about your backgrounds. But Kara, why don't you start just explaining, you know, your experience in the metabolic health, muscle Hmm. physiology, physical training, and for full transparency, Kara is a complete badass. You know, she is a former Titan Games competitor. She's an MMA fighter. I've met her in person. She is the real deal. I'd love for you to share a bit about your background and then we'll kind of introduce Scott. Yeah, of course. 
really how it started was uh, I always say I was probably meant to be in the sports performance side of scientific medicine or sports medicine and just the difference between clientele athletes, practitioner and, and scientists and researcher and kind of melding those together because at the age of three and a half, I lost my left lung to a benign, but to a tumor that covered 75% of my left lung. So at a very young age, I was always very into the why. Why did this mass grow? Why did I have five knee surgeries that, you know, kind of took away my basketball career at an early age? And what happened and progressed from there is then going to grad school under Dr. Andy Galpin and doing muscle biopsy research where he performed one of the first studies on male and female athletes looking through hit exercise and nutrient signaling throughout the course of four biopsies and proceeded to get my master's in molecular muscle exercise physiology. And from there, it's always been start off with selfish reasons as why are these things happening to my body? Why am I not getting to the next level in sports to this huge interest of, well, now how can I serve others? How can we take science to another level? How can we take the human experience to another level? Well, and I think it's really emerging research. I think there's now a great amount of technology that allows us to better understand the human body, better understanding differences between men and women, et cetera. Mm -hmm. And then we also have Scott on board and Scott is the COO of MD Logic. And I decided to work directly with Scott and his team to help formulate my creatine supplement. So welcome, Scott. I would love for you to talk a little bit about your background as well. Thank you, Cynthia. Tara, it's a pleasure to meet you here on the podcast today. So my fascination with fitness started probably when I was 16. I couldn't understand. I had asthma as a kid. I mean, still have asthma, but it, it's sort of, I would call it under control. And I'd see the other kids sort of more out of shape than me, always able to perform. And I, I was confusing. So I started kind of working out around that age, you know, which most boys sort of trying to get into manhood, they start working out and hitting the gym and I did okay. Things went well, went to college. And that's when I became obsessed with biology and physiology, became a major in biology and really started to understand how the human body worked. It became an amateur bodybuilder in college. That was my first exposure to creatine amongst many other supplements that came and went. Some are no longer even available on the market. And so as a bodybuilder in, in the natural world, I was competing against folks that were doing performance enhancing drugs, which, you know, is pretty tough to compete against. So I really had to work on you know, what is the way that I can recover faster? What is the, the way that I can do exercises better? What are the, are the nutrients I can take that will at least give me a shot? And that was my first sort of, you know, biohacking. That was before biohacking was a thing, but that was my biohacking into how to become fit and really healthy. And then I started also applying that to my overall health and my friend's health and just, it just kept progressing. So when I graduated from college, I had this biology degree. I was sort of into this natural world and I stumbled into pharmaceutical sales and just worked my way up based on my passion for science, passion for helping people, and ultimately became an executive in a number of biotech companies, then created my own biotech company. And then in 2020, decided, you know, I really want to get back to my roots, which is wellness and health. And I thought if I can bring the pharmaceutical rigor of, you know, quality products with education to the public, that's the passion. And that's why I started MD Logic. Yeah. I'm so very grateful that our, our paths crossed and maybe for the benefits of listeners who may not be familiarized with kind of the standard process with supplements, they're not regulated by any agencies, you know, ergogenic aids, which are supplements are not regulated 
what are some of the current concerns that you saw about the supplement industry vis-a-vis your own experiences within the pharmaceutical agency as a prior bodybuilder and then as the head of MD Logic? So early in life, I think as we all are, I was a little naive. So I assumed if it was on the market and on the shelf, it was safe. It was tested. It was you know, clean, it was pure, and it was safe. Well, that's not necessarily true. And that applies to pharmaceuticals as well. So pharmaceutical companies are also under what's called GMP. So I do want to dispel a myth that that supplements are not regulated by any body. Actually, they're regulated by two bodies. They're regulated by the FDA in terms of quality and GMP, which stands for Good Manufacturing Process. And they're also regulated by the FTC, which is more about the marketing aspect, how people market their products. Oftentimes people get in trouble for like miracle cure, you know, cures this. You can't make any claim at all or about prevention or curing of any kind of disease. So that's where people get in trouble. But where I really started to see this delineation as I dug deeper, even in pharma, you'll get what's called, I want to say it's a 483 or 403, if I'm getting that number wrong, forgive me. But that's a warning letter that they come into your factory as a pharmaceutical industry, and they'll say, we found this excrement in your product, or this didn't meet specs, so your people are not trained on the standard operating procedure for how to navigate you know, this particular issue. So you'll, you failed in these three areas. And the plant won't necessarily be closed unless it's an egregious issue. They'll give you four, 15 days to answer, and then a certain number of days to respond and correct that. And that applies both in the pharmaceutical world and in the GMP uh, supplement or supplement world. So if you're a GMP facility, you're held standard to the FDA, to the same standard that the pharmaceutical companies are. The problem is that these minimum standards sometimes don't really allow to ensure that the product that they say you're getting ends up being correct. Let me give you a quick example, if I may. So for example, one of the sort of, I'll call it a a loophole for lack of a better word, and it might not be the best word, but I'm going to read directly from the FDA's site. So here's what they they define as a quality GMP supplement. And that is, this GMP rule defines quality to mean that the dietary supplement is consistently meets and establishes specific for identity, purity, strength, and composition, and limits on contaminants. And has been manufactured, packaged, labeled, and held under conditions to prevent alteration under federal sections 402A, 1, 2, 3, and A4, yada, yada. What that's basically saying is you've got to have those four things tested on the final product, not the ingredient beforehand, but the final product. And it has to be manufactured and packaged and labeled under conditions that prevent adulteration. And that's where you can get into trouble because you can label and package it and then stash it. It's not off the ground. It's supposed to be elevated off the ground so that water, if water seeps in, it doesn't get infected. Rodents can't eat a little hole in your package and leave excrement, which does happen. There are warning letters you can look up online. So those are the kinds of things that it can occur. Also, if you have skipped that step that I had mentioned earlier, and I hope I'm not cutting me off if I'm, if I'm going too long here, Cynthia. Also, the thing that that is another loophole that I discovered is if you decide, and this is what it says directly again from the FDA, if I rely on the certificate of analysis, which is basically you're certifying that this product meets the identity and the identity only for the ingredient, right? Not the other things I mentioned. If you're relying on that identity certification from the, the supplier, what do you need to do? And it says basically establish reliability with a certificate, make sure it complies with the FDA, et cetera, et cetera. 
However, let's say that a year ago, that certificate on the identity and you as the, as the manufacturer haven't tested that product for identity, you've now put a product into your or an ingredient into your product that you haven't personally tested. The other thing is, does that qualify as third party, right? Because you see a lot of this third party lab testing. Well, if you're using a certificate of analysis from the company that sent the ingredient, some people could say, well, is that third party, right? So all these words get massaged into the lingo. And that's where I found these loopholes. And I thought there's a, we can do a lot better and hence why we started Envy Logic. Yeah. And it makes a lot of sense for people to understand that this is why it's important to buy high quality supplements. I typically recommend that people not buy all of their supplements off of Amazon. A lot of the you know, pharmaceutical grade companies don't allow their products to be third-party sourced, meaning they don't allow their products to be sold on websites like that. And that's not to suggest that, you know, one or two of your supplements, if they come off of Amazon, they may indeed be fine, but really understanding that the buyer beware that doing your due diligence really makes a big difference. And so, you know, this degree of clarity and purpose is one of the reasons why I decided to work directly with you all I think many of my listeners know I've had supplements that have been white labeled, meaning another company produced the supplement and I just put my personal labeling on it. And I wanted to pivot and move in a direction where I could create exactly what I wanted the way I wanted. And so, you know, let's start talking about, you know, working together, talking about creatine. And that's actually why we also have Kara's our creatine expert that's on the call, but talking about creatine and why it's so important and why this is not the creatine that maybe you heard about back in the seventies and eighties, uh, where people were using massive amounts of creatine in conjunction with anabolic steroids this is actually a very safe supplement. It's a very well-researched supplement. And it's the first supplement I decided to go with because there's such solid research in terms of looking at muscle and brain health in particular. Well, Cynthia, if I would first say, let's be specific about the form of creatine. So we specifically chose creatine monohydrate. The reason we specifically chose that form, and, and now you'll see a number of different forms of creatine. And the jury's out. There may be some of those creatines may have some, some validity in the marketplace, but all of the research that you're talking about that's happened in the last 10 to 15, well, since the 80s to now, 90% of that research, maybe higher than that, is on creatine monohydrate. So when we attribute these benefits or these ways that it supports the body's strength and cognition and muscle endurance and other things that it does, it is from the studies on creatine monohydrate. So I wanted to emphasize that first because that is important. So choosing creatine monohydrate as the first is fantastic. And I have direct experience with the creatine sort of world of the past. And it was like 20 grams a day for the first 15 days. And I can tell you that 20 grams a day is not an easy amount to digest. And I was 190 pound, 22 year old weightlifting fiend at that point. And it was still tough to suck down 20 grams of creatine, which they call the loading dose. Well, subsequent research and a few decades later, we've discovered you don't need to do that massive loading dose. You can get a lot of the benefits of creatine by gradually increasing your stores, which we know I think it's 66% of all of creatine is stored in your muscle. And so you don't need to do that. The other issues, the negative ones, and I'm sure Kara can speak to this as well, there were a lot of people doing either steroids or ephedra, which is a stimulant, which was all sort of like 
on label at the time, other stimulants and other things that could harm your kidneys, along with these massive doses of protein and massive doses of creatine. And so creatine kind of got lumped into this sort of category of, oh, it might be bad for your kidneys, but it's not. All of the data reveals that if you use creatine in moderation, which we think is somewhere between, you know, let's call it three and I would even say it's a 10 grams a day based on the literature I've read, is relatively safe. If you're talking about 10 grams a day every day and then you're adding other things onto it, well, then you have to be cautious. But really, I think a lot of the negative publicity that came out of creatine was because people were using it in these massive doses with other massive doses of protein and other substances. And I'll pass the baton to Kara to get her perspective on that. Also, one thing to clarify is why were people feeling or lumping creatine monohydrate with, with the steroid use, with the protein usage, and getting these effects that they were alluding to the creatine monohydrate? Well, let's break down the word monohydrate. It's a hydrate. It's holding, you're going to hold water. So when you have and you exceed these doses, which we know we, two to three grams a day even, just the brain health benefits alone is worth it because we're going to be losing these stores anyway. We have to constantly build them back up in daily fashion. So even if it's as low as a dose is two to three grams a day, you're still going to see that benefit over time. It takes about 30 days, but 30 days over then a couple months, over a few years, you're now going to not only have the muscle benefit, but then your brain tissue is now going to be at a better level than everyone else's. It doesn't have to be this loading phase for that week because you are going to get that water bloat. You are going to get that water retention and you're not going to feel so hot, which is where some of the negative connotations started with creatine monohydrate is they're forgetting. It is still a hydrate. You're still going to hold water. You're still going to have, if you want, if you're going to load in that high of a dosage, which like Scott was saying back in the day, everyone was doing the 20 grams. Everyone was saying, oh, you have to load. Oh, you have to take, and then you dial back down to five to seven grams. We know we don't have to be anywhere near that to get the same benefits. As long as you're consistent and have it as that almost a microdose daily, which is a whole other hot topic word is the microdosing. But you can also do that with creatine in a very safe manner, especially because it is the like we've been saying, the safest, the number one supplement, uh, even in the exercise physiology community and the most studied out there. And any scientist, any researcher in exercise physiology, in muscle physiology, and sports performance, ask any of them what are three supplements every athlete should take. The first thing they always say is creatine monohydrate. Then they'll go down the line. Some people vary with the fish oils or vitamin Cs, but the first thing down the line with some of the best uh, researchers in the world, it's always creatine monohydrate first thing they say. The formula used to be, and it's, it still is true to this day, where kind of the 20 grams came into play, is what used to be said, and it still is, some athletes will do this, is 0.3 grams per kilogram of body weight daily. So if I'm at a 180 pounds, say I'm 180 pounds, female, which I'm about 150, but say I'm 180 pounds, that's 25 grams a day I'm taking with creatine. That's a lot for anybody to, to handle without having a nice amount of water retention. So just be aware that you don't have to go with that 0.3 grams per kilogram of body weight daily. As long as you're taking those two, three grams daily and doing it consistently over time, you're going to have the same benefits you're going to have without the water retention. Today's podcast is sponsored by NutriSense. It combines cutting edge technology and human expertise so you can see how your body responds to different types of nutrition, stress, 
exercise, sleep, and where you are in your menstrual cycle in real time. And by pairing a continuous glucose monitor with their app and expert nutritional guidance, NutriSense can help you reach your health goals. And the best part is it's not just a program where they send you the CGM and you have to figure it out on your own. Each subscription plan includes one month of free expert nutritionist support. Your nutritionist will work with you one-on-one, interpreting your data, and providing customized advice to help you reach your health goals. The last time I had my CGM on, my registered dietitian and I troubleshooted over some specific concerns that I had. And whether you're aiming to lose weight, stabilize your energy, or just feel better overall, NutriSense offers the guidance and support you need. And lasting sustainable change takes time and can be achieved through a longer term subscription. That's why I encourage my patients and clients to consider three, six, or 12-month subscriptions where it's actually less expensive and allows you to not only achieve your goals, but also to ensure that you stick to your healthy lifestyle for the long term. As I've mentioned before, I have found the CGMs I have used through NutriSense to be incredibly insightful, specifically to carbohydrate tolerance. I would not have known that plantains spiked my blood sugar without this information. It's also been hugely helpful for tailoring to workouts and sleep quality. And so for me, even though I am metabolically healthy, I find the insights to be particularly helpful to tailor my lifestyle changes to my blood sugar. Visit NutriSense.io slash EWP and use the code E. WP for $30 off plus one month of free nutritionist support. Be sure to let them know you're a listener of the Everyday Wellness Podcast when they ask you how you heard about them. This is one of my favorite ways to take care of my health and one of my top recommendations for all of my patients and clients. Do you find yourself struggling to get a good night's sleep? If so, you may be dealing with a hidden mineral deficiency. It is not at all uncommon in perimenopause and menopause to deal with sleep challenges. And we know that one of many contributory reasons for poor sleep can be a reduction in specific minerals that help regulate sleep quality, including magnesium, which is involved in GABA, which is our body's main calming neurotransmitter. We also know that we need potassium to create melanin melatonin. And this is a hormone that is a master antioxidant, but is also utilized to help induce sleep. We also think about things like zinc, which can balance excitatory neurotransmitters like glutamate. And if it's overactive, meaning if your glutamate levels are too high, it can prevent your brain from becoming more relaxed and inducing sleep. And lastly, selenium increases both our deep sleep and sleep duration. All these minerals matter a lot for sleep and any imbalances or deficits can have a major impact on the quality of sleep you get each night. And that's why I love Beam Minerals. They offer a full spectrum mineral supplement that gives you every essential mineral your body needs in the right doses, all in a highly absorbable liquid form. All you do is take a shot of bean minerals about an hour before bed. Don't worry, it tastes like water. And you'll replenish all of your body's minerals in about 30 seconds and give your brain what it needs for deep restorative sleep. 
I've been using this product over the last several months. I've really been impressed with the improvement in my sleep metrics, which I like to share on social media with my followers. And if you want a simple way to improve your sleep, head over to www.bminerals.com and use code Cynthia for 20% off your first order. That's www.bminerals.com and use code Cynthia for 20% off your first order. And I think for many women, the water retention is a particularly yeah. unappealing side effect, especially for women that are still cycling. And maybe they're, as they're heading into their luteal phase, they're having more bloating, they're having more water retention, mm-hmm. even as an aside. And it's so interesting to me that this has been a supplement that's been so well embraced in the performance and muscle health industry. And yet, you know, as a licensed healthcare provider, I feel like in many ways it is, it's like a whole new world for me because I had these prejudicial perspectives because of what I had heard, you know, from colleagues of mine from years ago. And it's really not rooted in the science. The science suggests otherwise. And so maybe we can start the conversation talking about some of the benefits of creatine, you know, obviously with my product, the two want the two that were most important to me, at least initially was the muscle health and also brain and cognition. And I think for many individuals, irrespective of where they are in life stage, maybe they're thinking more about their muscles when they're younger, but we should all be thinking about our muscle and brain health throughout our lifetime. Not just when we hit middle age and all of a sudden we're like, Oh, you know, the issues surrounding sarcopenia become a larger problem. And also I, uh, another great benefit of creatine, which a lot of people always are surprised and tend to forget is sleep deprivation, is if you're having a daily dose in those we just alluded to prior, if you have one of those nights, say you're studying up all night or when you have one of those nights, if you're taking a daily dose, it helps actually with sleep deprivation. It helps keep your brain at a healthy level when you're at an unhealthy level of sleep. As long as we're taking it daily, just like anything, just like any vitamin or supplement, if it's the right one and it's you know produced and manufactured the right way, as we were speaking to earlier, it's going to be the benefits almost tenfold. <laughs> yeah, the fact that you can go on five hours of sleep and then take some, cre- I mean, it's pretty crazy to think something so safe and so you know, fairly inexpensive can have that wide of the spectrum of benefits. Well, and it's interesting that one of the first testimonials that we received was a woman who's been struggling, middle-aged woman struggling with sleep. And she said within two days of taking our creatine monohydrate, she slept through the night without any other changes. So she said, I just kind of went into this blindly thinking, great, I'll be better for my brain and muscle health. And I had no idea that the sleep would improve substantially And for anyone who's out there, who's north of like 35 or 40, you have a good night of sleep. That means a whole lot. That's a huge metric to have met. And so to me, that was incredibly gratifying. You know, we've gotten a lot of other feedback. Scott, what are your thoughts on the use of creatine for sleep support? Have you seen any good research that has, you know, swayed you in that direction as well? So there's two points. First of all, yes, I have seen some significant research on sleep. And I can tell you, I've been taking between three and six grams a day. And I, I take, sometimes I'll take more because I'm 185 pound man. And, you know, I think for women, that's what makes your creatine so great is it's dose flexibility, right? You can get three grams a day, which is sort of like just what you need to keep yourself constantly kind of either growing a little bit, or if you have a deficit. But yeah, so sleep, I think is important. But what Kara mentioned, I think is is equally as important. Let's say for whatever reason, 
you still don't get that great night of sleep because you get a huge presentation in the morning and you're nervous and you're anxious. And I know what that's like as a busy executive on the run. I have been doing dozens of things. I'm sure Cynthia, you know, it's like care. I'm sure you know what that's like. You wake up at 3 a.m. You fall asleep and you've got to be up at six. And you're like, oh, my God, now I have to go to a presentation in front of a thousand people. And your brain isn't quite there. Creatine has. And I've just recently noticed this because I had stopped taking it for a long time. My brain can function on six hours of sleep, whereas before, no way. And I think that's in large part due, and Kara, correct me if you think something differently, but in large part due to the fact that creatine gives your brain the ATP it needs and kind of gives it the resuscitation to say, hey, we can power through this. I know you're a little tired today, but you can power through this. So not only does creatine help you have a better quality of sleep, it also, if you don't, allows you to perform better on lower energy. And one of the things that I think the, the verbiage in the literature I read was something focus under sleep deprivation or something to that effect. And that was su really surprising to me because there's not many supplements that can do that. And even caffeine can just make you a little bit jittery, but not necessarily on your game. Whereas I found creatine puts me on my game mentally. I think it's really important. It's interesting. On Tuesday evening, I participated in the influencers dinner with at John Levy's house, which was a wonderful experience. And I was up late. I had to take a 5 a.m. cab to get to Newark, to get on an airplane, to come home. I had a total of four hours of sleep and I functioned really well all day until I went to bed. And so I credit the creatine piece. And what's interesting was when I was looking at the research, we know that creatine helps support stages of sleep and greater neuronal ATP uh, resynthesis. It impacts memory and cognition and also attention. And it's also involved in neurotransmitters. So sometimes when I'm sleep deprived prior to taking creatine, I would sometimes almost get this anxious feeling. And it was because my body was feeling overly tired, much like kids do when they're overly tired. And so it's interesting, there's a positive relationship between creatine levels and cerebral spinal fluid in the brain and dopamine and serotonin metabolites. So it's certainly very consistent with not just cognition, but also with energy. And then lastly, with the impact on neurotransmitter production, which I think is really significant. One of my favorite analogies, like I like to think of creatine monohydrate as the vitamin IV or the NAD that no one's purchasing and no one's taking, but everyone wants to spend the $500 on the vitamin IV at the local you know, health injection or wellness center when you spend the 15, 20 bucks on creatine and you're going to get the same benefit, but everyone's just sweeping it under the rug because of the fancy store down the street with the IVs. Yeah, I think that's a great point, Kara. And I think if we boil this down to a couple of things, it's really everything requires energy, right? Everything. Your muscles require energy. Your immune system requires energy. Even the creation of your neurotransmitters requires energy. So if you don't have enough ATP to create that energy, you're going to have all these deficiencies across everything that requires energy. I mean, life boils down to energy. And mm -hmm. I think, I can't remember which podcast I was listening to, but it had some really remarkable data in it. And the I think the title or the gist of it was, it's not just a, a muscle endurance energy support. It's a brain and cognition endurance supplement. And that sort of kind of hit me like, wow, that's all, and it all comes down to mitochondria and energy. And you got a lot of mitochondria in your brain. You got a lot of mitochondria in other parts of your body, your heart, your brain, your muscles, obviously. So I do think that this is something that I really underestimated. And I'm pretty excited about that because I feel like as you hit this age point, I'm 52. 
you know, you do start drinking three cups of coffee a day. And I don't want to drink three cups of coffee a day. I'm down to one cup of coffee a day as long as it's got my creatine monohydrate in it. That's a wonderful testimonial to, you know, the net impact. Let's pivot a little bit and talk about metabolic health. I know this is an interest of Kara's and, and yours as well. What are some of the changes, Kara, that start happening in our muscles as we are getting older? Mm-hmm. I really want to dive into sarcopenia because mm-hmm. I don't think I appreciated slash valued the fact that I was hitting peak bone and muscle mass in my 20s and 30s until I mm-hmm. got into my 40s and I learned otherwise about why that I should have known, even as a clinician, we were not taught that. And now why I try so hard to make sure others understand the value of supporting muscle protein synthesis, supporting, you know, musculature throughout our lifetime and not just worrying about it because you're 45 and you realize all of a sudden your metabolic health is in the toilet. Skeletal muscle is a very amazing and vast metabolic sink. And if we are not utilizing it in the right ways and, and utilizing it, are we essentially stop training or stop supplementing with things like creatine there is a situation where if you don't use it you can lose it and it's going to be one heck of a ride trying to develop that back but there is a point in which as you age and as this sink essentially starts to get a little bit smaller because we're not utilizing it we're not supplementing it our skeletal muscle essentially says okay you're not giving me anything to work with you're not helping you're not giving me anything to resist against uh so you know what, you're not going to give me something, I'm going to do nothing. And if I have nothing to resist against, I have nothing to work against, I'm essentially going to be everything, which is what we see in muscle fiber types. And well, when at Cal State Fullerton, where we did the muscle biopsy research with Andy, that was one of the craziest things we saw with uh, renal failure patients out of Stanford is to see their skeletal muscle after being bedridden. And, you know, they're on their deathbed. They're in, you know, last stages of their life to see what happened to their muscle tissue, to see that essentially their fiber type all over the place. It was everything. It was, it, you can literally see under the, in the gels, what happens towards the end of life, what happens when you do not actually supplement appropriate and give resistance to the muscle is it essentially just gives up completely. And it turns into almost a mush of everything. One of my favorite uh, topics of conversation is you have to go towards the resistance or your body is going to resist you. It's an excellent point. And it's interesting. In 2019, I was in the hospital for 13 days and I lost 15 pounds. My muscles were just catabolized. I left the hospital 15 pounds lighter because I was in bed for 13 days. And I remember explaining to someone to lose that much muscle and my body did it because I wasn't eating to lose that much muscle has taken years to get back to a point where I'm building muscle again. And so it's devastating to our bodies metabolically. And otherwise you lose insulin sensitivity when you are losing muscle mass for many people. They're like, I don't understand why running, you know, doing all these endurance sports as a 40 or 50 or 60 year old person is no longer serving your metabolic needs. Like really making sure that you are doing some degree of strength training every week in the gym and eating enough Mm. protein and utilizing things like creatine. We had an amazing testimonial from Dr. Sandy. Dr. Sandy is not only a good friend, she's a clinical psychologist. She's 70 years old and she has been using creatine and loves this product. And she was leg pressing 300 pounds. Sandy is 90 pounds. (laughs) She's this tiny (laughs) itty bitty person. And it just goes to show you, this is not just a product for younger people. This is a product that can be utilized throughout your lifetime with significant benefits. And I always think, what is the one 
ask anybody as they age, what's the one thing you're most nervous about besides losing muscle mass or getting fatter? Everyone says, just don't let me lose my mind. Just dementia is, is everyone's worst fear, right? How do you help prevent that? <laughs> Creatine is actually one of the major ways besides resistance training and exercise for preventing that end stage life, you know, cognition loss. And I mean, you know, muscle is expensive. The body views muscle as an expensive asset to have to maintain. So if you're not using it and you're not feeding it, what's the first thing your body is going to catabolize? It's going to eat your muscles, right? Even before mm-hmm. you're fat, because it's saying, well, let's save the fat because that's cheap. We already got it. Mm-hmm. Keeping this muscle is expensive for us. So let's eat that. And then we'll, so fit, and that's why you lost so much weight, Cynthia. Like your body said, well, she's not eating, she's not exercising. This is an expensive, you know, commodity. And to your second point, it take it. This is, Kara. I know I know you can relate to this. You know, as an avid mm-hmm. bodybuilder in my twenties, if I took a month off, I'd lose ten pounds. Then it would take me three months. You know, it was like a, the mm-hmm. law of one to three: three months to get it back, one month to lose it, and it, it was tough. And I had a you know personal experience with this. When my dad was about seventy-four. I had taken him to Lake George, put him on my uncle's boat, and we were going out for a boat ride. And we he went to get out of the boat and onto the dock, and he he literally couldn't get himself up out of the boat. And I sat down with him and I had a really heart to heart conversation and explained to him, dad, this is like step one of you ending up in the nursing home. If you can't step up and get out of this boat and onto the dock on your own with your leg quad, and these are his quads. These are some of the strongest muscles in your body. You know, you're a couple of years away from being in a nursing home. And I know you don't want that. Well, he took that to heart and I sent him a bunch of supplements and he started taking them, hit the, the stairmaster in the gym, started doing some like nothing crazy, you know, just and now he's walking five miles a day. He looks fantastic. He can, you know, get up and move. And he's 78. So he's four years older and he looks 10 years younger than he did when he was 74. It's really been a transformation. So, you know, I've seen I've had a personal experience of that I don't think people realize just how serious sarcopenia is when you're losing your muscle and your strength that is one of the first determinations that your longevity and health span is is waning and there's a multitude of studies on grip strength and quad strength that that prove that out well, and it's interesting how many patients I took care of in the hospital that when I would round and they would be 50 years old and they could not get from their bed to the bedside commode and get off the commode because their quadricep muscles were so weak And, you know, we would be rounding quickly and I would always kind of identify these are the types of patients I'm most concerned about, because if you can't get off the toilet at 50, that is not setting you up well for longevity. And the other thing that I think is really interesting is that now that I I fully understand and appreciate the progression of sarcopenia that really accelerates after the age of 40, unless you're working against it is how many women in particular I see that are just skinny, but they're so sarcopenic, like they have no musculature, they just so thin. And a lot of that is a byproduct of the fact that they've lost all this muscle. I always use the example because I love analogies that young muscle is kind of like a filet, you know, it's mostly muscle. And then you look at a ribeye, although delicious, we don't want to become the ribeye. That is when we have all this marbling and this adipose tissue, which is highly inflammatory and full of cytokines. And just really understanding that that is what happens as a byproduct of aging if you don't work against it. Kara, I'm sure for you in the lab, you probably were seeing examples of this every day. That was always the most interesting thing is the the skinniest people we would see the skinniest subjects we had or individuals or participants sometimes had the worst and the most unhealthy skeletal muscle in the most unhealthy tissue. Essentially, it's been shown time and time again in the research. And we know we can't say anything as fact, but 
we know as well as we can that the longer you keep your two-way muscle fiber type or our fast twitch or a resistance training fiber, as I like to call it, we know the longer you live. It's just a fact. It's also the first thing to go when we're set, we become sedentary. It's the longer you keep it, the longer you're going to live. However, with a lot of individuals, and this is, I always think about this when it comes to, especially with women, they get so nervous about getting bulky. And this kind of ties both resistance training, skeletal health, and creatine. All of these things have been avoided over in the last couple decades, with, especially, particularly with women. Why? Because they all associate it with being bulky and not health and not longevity and not keeping you out of the hospital. It was flipped into the script of, no, you'll look like a man or, or no, you'll, which we know is, could not be farther from the truth. But that myth is still, I had a client the other day say that to me. Oh, isn't creatine a steroid? <laughs> no. Oh, no. <laughs> no. I mean, the fact that that is still a topic of conversation and also that resistance training can make you bulky and flipping, changing the narrative to, hey, actually, this is what keeps us out of the hospital. Actually, providing these things to your body is what helps the skeletal muscle, helps this metabolic sink operate and function at a high level. That's what it's all about. Wow. I'm so shocked that there's still that it could go yeah. as far as it isn't oh, yeah. creatine a steroid, oh, yeah. you know, and even the hydration part. I mean, again, to your point, the bulk, if you're doing normal, reasonable resistance training, I can assure you, you're not going to get bulk. It takes an insane amount of really tough effort to put on a quarter of an inch on your bicep. So let's, you know, let's put that in perspective um, and that, and I'm a guy, right? So I've got a lot more testosterone than a woman. So I'm going to put on mus muscle mass easier. And that's hard for me. The other thing is, Carrie, I wanted your perspective on, because earlier you mentioned, and I just want to go back to this, the, mm. the hydration and, and Cynthia, you mentioned a lot of women get concerned about bloat, but at two to, you know, let's say even three to five grams, I'm imagining most of that hydration is intracellular. So it's not like you're, right. you're hydrating and bloating. It's inside the muscle cell, right? So you're not mm -hmm. going to see that. It, it's actually just going to make you feel more fit and tone. Is that an accurate statement? Oh, of course. And, and that's where the big myth comes into play is I think the mind is a very powerful tool, correct? A lot of us, uh, the placebo effect is quite real. And when a lot of people, even though the dose they're taking is intracellular and it's a three to five grams, because they've been told, because they've had these myths fed to them for so many years or either have not done the research or lack the education or they've been told X, Y, and Z things from someone else, the mind tells them, oh, something is happening more and they, the body kind of follows through a little bit, right? So it always interests me when I have participants or clients or athletes where I'm like, no, your dose isn't even high enough for any of that to occur, but the brain's a powerful tool and the placebo effect really real. So if you think that's happening, I'm telling you, it's not the creatine, it's not the resistance training, it's your mind that we need to focus on now. And it's the myths in the, in the lies you've been told, essentially. Right. And it's just rewording and, and getting the education, the information out there, the right information for people to understand what is actually happening in the human body or what is actually happening when we provide our body these things and not this woo-woo stuff that comes that I still hear and still see in the magazines that I've, I've still seen on blogs, you know, posted in 2022 that women uh, should just go for runs or they shouldn't resistance train or also the huge myth that women cannot gain the same skeletal muscle mass to men. In absolute terms, yes. We just in start relativity, with less. Right. Yeah, we just right. start with less muscle mass. We only have two thirds the muscle mass in the upper body as men. So of course, relatively, yeah, we have less to begin with though. But absolutely, we can gain the same health right. benefit. Well, I think it's really interesting, you know, that reframe when we're talking to patients or clients, really helping them understand that 
you know, this is the research, this is what it demonstrates. I've been using creatine for over a year. And one of the things that really swayed me about creatine was not only the benefits related to muscle and brain health, but also understanding that women endogenously have less creatine stores. So that was of interest to me. Also understanding that creatine levels in our bodies change around our menstrual cycles. It's interesting that estrogen plays a role in creatine and creatine kinase and understanding that, you know, if you plot out, you know, where women are in their menstrual cycle, that they can get more glucose oxidation. They can have their, their needs for creatine internally in the body can change significantly. And then vis-a-vis women in perimenopause and menopause can also benefit from utilizing creatine. So it's not just one stage of life where women in particular will benefit. It's throughout their lifetime. There are indications for utilizing this for these benefits. And to that point, Cynthia, you know, I'll share another personal story. And I shared this with you last time we spoke. And Kara, this will be news to you. But my daughter, Kylie, who's only five, six, so she's sort of petite for a hurdler. But she is a 100 uh, hurdler as well as a 400 meter runner. And sometimes she'll do the 400 meter hurdles, which God love you if you can complete that race because it's, it's just <laughs> agonizing. But her sophomore, her freshman year, she was told, quote, she had no jumping ability and she should stick to just running. Her sophomore year, she did better. She started climbing up the ranks. She was ranked like 225 uh, in the state. And then in her junior year, dad decided to create an MD Logic creatine blend with some creatine and amino acids that I would put in her little smoothie every day before meets and, you know, when she went training. And she ended up finishing uh, sixth in the state that year, went to Pennsylvania State track for the 100 hurdles, then finished sixth in the state, and then went on to break the Central Bucks East 30-year record for the 60-meter hurdle and the 100-meter hurdle. So I'm not saying it was a creatine. (laughs) I'm just saying it didn't hurt. (laughs) But I'm, I'm very proud of that. But I think she learned a very important lesson too, which was nutrition is a huge part because there was a lot of other things we did too, but nutrition was a huge part of her performance because a lot of her peers had kind of done amazing sophomore year, pretty good junior, and then just sort of, that was it. You know, they really haven't gone on to, to do much more. So, uh, now that she's a college, it's harder for me to get this stuff into her. So because she's on her own, she's like, oh, yeah, I, I took it, Dad, I took it. I'm like, I don't know, that's the last time it wasn't so good. But but it was, I think, a, a game changer for her psychologically and to watch her confidence grow and to see how happy she was, but both from the performance she was doing and just, you know, that pride of accomplishing something that she really was told she literally was told she had no jumping ability, you know, not to make that a big deal, but that I was proud of her. So anyway, that's my personal story. I mean, creatine is the wonder drug. There's no reason to, uh, I actually used to manage a GNC. So my quick story is I used to manage a GNC in Pittsburgh back in under my undergraduate years. And I'll never forget the amount of older women or young kids or young athletes in the Pittsburgh area, the time where I was at coming into the GNC and asking for either the pink, the supplement that was pink because it was labeled for women or the, oh, I need to take, you know, alkalized creatine that's $40 more because apparently it won't make me bloat or it's going to help me. I would always have to explain to them, hey, here's the things to look for. But let's also remember just because something is pink or just because something is more expensive does not mean it's going to give you a better benefit or less of a benefit. And it always cracks me up in vitamin shops or GNCs or all these, you know, supplement stores is the amount 
what they put in the front in the store, what they put in the back in the store, and where do they put things in the middle. And I would still be able to recognize that it's still a store at the end of the day. They're still trying to get you to buy certain things for certain reasons that has nothing to do with the science or what it can actually potentially do for you. A lot of times it's the thing you less expect, least expect, you know, that $15, you know, creatine monohydrate supplement, that $5 vitamin C bottle, as long as it's, you know, to the production standards and, and through FDA standards, because we all know that's the wild, wild west, as Scott was alluding to in the beginning. I just call it the wild west. Uh, sometimes <laughs> the thing you're walking past is actually the thing you need the most, but you're walking past it because it's the cheaper or it's which, you know, depending on what you're looking at, might not fit the bill. These companies do such a great job with marketing and the nuance of the language and the verbiage that, I mean, some of them are really good at. Now, there's a lot of amazing quality companies there. I don't want to, you know, sort of sabotage the whole industry, but there are a lot of companies that are based a lot on marketing. To your point, they put it in pink and they charge $10 more. The same, it might even be the same product. I've seen that happen a hundred times. Seraphim was Prozac by the pharma industry. They call it was for you know, a mood disorder during menstruation. And they, and they just took Prozac, repackaged it, called it Seraphim and charged 25 bucks more. Literally that happened. I mean, so that happens in, in our industry too. And when the time's right, Cynthia, I'd love to circle back uh, to what Kara was alluding to. Was like, you know, what are those quality things that your creatine's gone through that I feel so great about mm-hmm. with all of our products that many creatines and other supplements probably have not gotten through? So when, I, when you're ready, let me know when, to, when we can circle back to that. Absolutely. I did want to address because it opened up the door to talk about mood disorders and depression. Mm-hmm. And we know that there's good, solid research talking about the fact that in women, we are a greater risk, two times greater risk as women for depression. And this is directly linked to hormonal milestones like puberty and then also menopause. And that there's a 31% greater incidence of depression in adults with low creatine intake. So not just exogenous creatine that you get from protein, which unfortunately is not enough animal-based protein. There's not enough in your diet to be able to replete what women intrinsically don't make enough of. But if we're not supplementing with creatine, it can impact these mood disorders. And the other thing that I thought was really interesting is so brain-derived neurotrophic factor is involved in brain health and cognition. And we know that aging and stress actually reduces this in our bodies, especially those that are not actively learning new hobbies or new activities, which is why I tell everyone to listen to podcasts and read and stimulate your brain because it's so important. But we know that creatine is also involved in BDNF production in the brain. So when we keep talking about brain and cognition, I just wanted to tie in those two other pieces prior to talking about what makes the creatine monohydrate that we're doing together so different from what else is on the market. Yeah. And I'm obsessed with, with BDNF brain derived neurotropic factor. It, they call it the fertilizer for neurons. I think this is basically what it does. It, it allows your body to stimulate new neurons at a faster rate, which is quite interesting. And I, and I think Cynthia, but I don't know. So if you know the data or care, you know, the data on this, does BDNF also correlate to depression? Yes. Oh, I was going to say, speaking of mood disorders and depression and, and, you know, going off the the statistics Cynthia just alluded to, what is the biggest statistic going on right now that's freaking out the entire world, especially post-COVID, is that the rate of SSRIs and SSRIs being prescribed out is also right in line with the suicide, depression, and death rate and death toll. It's They're Mm -hmm. 100% correlated just in the same, almost the same scary chart of increases in prescription medications to alleviate 
depression or alleviate anxiety and suicide rate. What's a natural way to prevent that is supplementing with things like creatine monohydrate and starting at a younger, early age and being consistent about it. Now we just took a natural SSRI without the negative side effects or without the negative connotations. Yeah. And just as the pharma brain in me is just saying, I want to make sure that we don't encourage anyone to go off for SSRI. Always talk to your yes, doctor. Yes, yes. Always make, just <laughs> yep. want to put that yep. out there. Like never stop that. That can be serious consequences. Just, you know, cold turkey doing that. So please, we're not suggesting that. But I think what no. we are saying is, hey, this product <laughs> please, has some real benefits. <laughs> <laughs> yes, absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> Definitely. But this product's got some real benefit in the way that it works on the brain. And, and when that can't be underlooked. And I think, you know, if, 31, I think your stat was 31% greater depression in people with lower than average creatine, I think it was. And then BDNF, we know, is, is tremendous too. So uh, there's something to it. And then exercise, we know, also increases BDNF. And then there were several studies that showing exercise to improve mood. So if your creatine level is higher and your energy levels are higher, you're going to be more likely to exercise. Right. And so then you're probably going to get in this sort of nice spiral up because once you start spiraling down and you're sitting on the couch watching Netflix all day and you're getting more depressed and then you're eating more, it, that's just the spiral down towards like, oh, and then it just doesn't get better. Whereas if you're getting more energy and you're getting out there and you're exercising, I think you're going to put yourself in a position to have a spiral upwards in terms of your mental health and physical health. And I think they're correlated. You know, I've always been a spirit, mind, body kind of person. If your brain and your emotions are, are in a good place, that probably means you're physically in a good place too. Have you guys heard about a bioactive whole food on the market with 5,000 published research studies backing it? When my oldest son needed to go on antibiotics a few months ago, I discovered Armor colostrum and the benefits for him and his recovery from being on antibiotics have been instrumental in me now recommending this to my dairy non-sensitive patients and clients. Armor's colostrum strengthens immunity, ignites metabolism, fortifies gut health, promotes hair growth and skin radiance, and powers fitness performance and recovery. My son has mentioned to me over and over again how great his gut feels, how he has improved his digestion and gut function as well. Colostrum is a rich, exclusive source of immunoglobulins or antibodies that optimize our immune defense even during cold and flu season. And we know that mucosal barriers house over 80% of our body's immune cells, including including the antibodies IgG and SIG-A. And these immunoglobulins bind and intercept harmful particles like viruses, bacteria, and toxins, blocking them from crossing into the barriers into our bloodstream. And Armrest Colostrum contains the highest levels of SIG-A and IgG to ensure your most fortified first line of protection. It's sustainably sourced, and it's important to know that you want to mix colostrum only with cold liquids or foods or dry scoop it into your mouth. This is also great for the oral microbiome. And we've worked out a special offer for my everyday wellness community where you can receive 15% off your first order. Go to tryarmra.com slash Cynthia15 or enter Cynthia15 to get 15% off your first order. That's T-R-Y-A-R-M-R-A.com slash Cynthia15. You definitely want to check it out. At some point, we've all been sold a big, fat lie. 
It's called the protein misconception. So starting in the 1980s, we all believed that more protein equated to more muscle growth. And I'm here to tell you it's a big misconception. This has a great deal to do that our body can only absorb protein that's broken down into smaller building blocks called amino acids. It doesn't matter if you're consuming 30 grams of protein or 300 grams of protein. If you don't have a sufficient supply of enzymes to digest the protein, your muscles will ultimately be unable to use these as vital building blocks. That's why it's crucial you take a high-quality digestive enzyme. The one I trust and use myself is called Masszymes by Bioptimizers. Masszymes is a full-spectrum enzyme formula with more protease than any other commercially available product. With five different forms of protease. Plus, it contains all the other key enzymes you need for optimal digestion. If you're experiencing bloating, gas, or digestive distress, a contributing factor can be that your body is no longer producing as much digestive enzymes. And you can try Masszymes today risk-free. They have a 365-day full money-back guarantee and is the gold standard in the industry. Go to biooptimizers.com slash Cynthia. That's B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com slash Cynthia and use promo code Cynthia10 for 10% off of any order. Again, that's promo code Cynthia10 for 10% off any order. Absolutely. I would also add that we know that people that are most metabolically healthy are individuals that are physically active. And it doesn't mean that you have to be in the gym seven days a week, but just being physically active not only improves brain health, also improves insulin sensitivity, also contributes to metabolic health, throw in some strength training. And, you know, that in and of itself can be life-changing. Kara, is there anything else you would add in there with, you know, physical activity and muscle health as well? I would say the biggest thing is the consistency of it all. I think a lot of us, they really all mood, resist mood, resistance training, uh, dementia, the cognitive benefits, the sleep, sleep deprivation, the longevity piece, all of these things have one common denominator is we all just want to live our best possible life. And again, what tends to happen is we ignore the little things, which is just being consistent throughout a long period of time. It's all about time and exposure when it comes to longevity and it comes to optimal, quote unquote, optimal health, which I always come from places what is actually optimal. It depends on who you're speaking to. However, when it comes down to it, it's just time and exposure every single day over a long period of time. Now we're going to feel better mentally, physically, emotionally. It changes the whole game. And it always blows my mind that we tend to take things in a very complex or complicated manner when really it's that simple. It's Absolutely. time and exposure and we're giving the body something to work with, but it takes time and yeah. consistency. And I think that's important because some folks, you know, they hit the gym for a month. They, they don't feel great. Because let's face it, the first month, you're going to be sore. And most people have a tendency to go in and like, I'm going all in. And they, the mm. first week, they come out and they're aching and they're sore. So you want to make sure that you're putting, you're setting yourself up by for success by working with a trainer if you haven't trained before. Mm. And if you haven't trained in a long time, you know, I always think it's better to be more consistent, Kara. And you tell me if you agree. But mm. consistency over trying to like, just go gangbusters and hit mm. it all, just just get to the gym. The rest will follow. And we all, every single listener, every single one of us in this room, we can all attest to the fact that we know somebody <laughs> that 
goes or went to the gym for seven days, never went back again. The rule I give individuals all the time, whether they're working with a practitioner or not, or a trainer or not, coach or not, is if you're sore for more than three days, you need to tone the volume back down. Take either tone it down or break open the sessions because no one should be sore for more than 72 hours. That's a, that's a red flag to your body saying, hey, this was a little too much. Let's back it up a little bit so that way you can keep that consistency. I just call it the 72-hour rule. If we're sore for longer than three days, it was probably too much volume or too much intensity and we need to tone it back down. That's so that a good keep rule going to have. Yeah, that's yeah, a good yeah. rule to have because I think it, there's also this misnomer that people have to be super, super sore in order to have really worked hard. And, and I remind people that, you know, you can get some delayed onset muscle soreness. You can, you know, maybe you're not sore when you leave the gym. I always know that I've worked my legs hard when it bothers me to go up and down the stairs. When I get home, I'm always like, okay, that's a good sign, but you don't want to be in pain. So you then are sedentary for three days in between to recover. And I think that's kind of what you're alluding to. Correct. Yeah. So there's nothing actually, but a good example is the uh, US or really any sprinter, any hundred meter sprinter. If you ever performed their training sessions, just say you went to the track and you're, you're going to do their 10 hundred meter sprints. I've had so many individuals say, I'm not tired at all. I don't feel like I worked out. I don't feel like I did anything. You look at the sprinters that are doing that as their career and they're jacked, they're ripped. They look amazing. They're obviously professional Olympic athletes. And the average Joe goes to do that same workout and they're like, oh, I don't feel like I tried. I don't feel sore. I didn't do anything. I was like, that's the myth that everyone thinks that we need to be sore to have benefit. But look, it's just time and exposure. And it's in having the right dials and the right buttons to press. And again, working with the right practitioner, coach or trainer and position having, I would say you need a team and, you know, have the right team around you so that when you are ready to develop to the next level, you know, the right steps for yourself because everyone's going to differ. Yeah, absolutely. My son first started working out. He was like, you know, how sore should I be? And I said, well, let, let me give you this analogy. If you were building calluses on your hands, right? And you went outside and you took a, an axe and you or a hammer or whatever, and you whack that log until your callus was bleeding. And you just, and then the next day you went out and you made them bleed again, and they never have a chance to heal. You're not going to ever get calluses. You're just going to have raw skin. So you want to go out there the first time and you, you know, when that point of this is starting to hurt. That's it, right? Then you can go a little further and then you develop calluses. But if you're always just ripping the muscle down to mm -hmm. the bone by overexerting it, you're going to overtrain. And I think that's that's changing. But back in my day, in the glory days of the 90s, it was workouts till you passed out and mm -hmm. recovery was a second thought. I think the reason that I did better than most people that were not taking you know, steroids was because I had done so much research on recovery and form and could just... Time and exposure to your, what you keep mm. saying, Carrie. It's time and exposure and doing the exercises properly and knowing what you're doing. But that was an analogy that my son was like, oh, that makes sense. Like he got that. Mm. I call it greasing the groove. You're greasing the groove. Every day you add maybe a rep or you add maybe a minute more of time or 30 seconds more of time or you add another layer to that exercise. But every day you're greasing the groove and you do it daily. It's actually one thing in special operators in the military that they perform a lot of push-ups and pull-ups is all every hour on the hour, start with one pull-up every hour throughout the day. A week of time goes by, then you're going two pull-ups every hour for that week, every day, and then three. And then all of a sudden you get to the end of the month, you get towards the end of six weeks, you're knocking out 20 pull-ups at a time. Like it's nothing. And again, time exposure and just greasing the groove. I'm going to try that workout. <laughs> I like that. Oh, it's one a pull up every hour. The first week is great because you're doing one pull up. First week, you love it because you're just doing one play, one pull up. Oh, okay. 
wait an hour, one pull up, and you just do it until you're, you know, that hour prior to bed and you get ready for, you know, with your bedtime routine or whatever that may be for yourself. And then a week goes by. And once it gets easy, you might be, you go up to two pull-ups and then, three, and then you can do it with really any exercise. I wouldn't necessarily uh, recommend that with the back squat or with the uh, heavy load. Uh, it's more, definitely more for body weight or even for, if we took this into a supplement, you know, or to creatine, it's just the daily dose every day. Uh, same thing happens. Same thing occurs. That's a great analogy. <laughs> uh, be careful. Scott's taking notes as we're talking. <laughs> He's going to implement this immediately. Uh, it is interesting when you do grease the groove, how surprised even clients of mine or athletes of mine have got of how quickly they've gotten to 10 pull-ups in a row just by having the little increments and dialing it up just a little bit every day. Now, you don't have to do every hour on the hour. So I hope not everyone's like, oh my God, like I don't have to... I'm at, sitting at my desk at work. I can't exactly put a pull bar at my, you know, in my office. <laughs> you don't have to do it that way. You can say, you know what, every three hours or pre in the morning before I leave, I'm going to take, you know, my two, three grams of creatine, or I'm going to do my 10 push-ups and or five pull-ups, whatever you set for yourself. And then at night I'm doing this set. And then I'm just going to do that daily, perform that daily. It would be funny if everyone just started doing pull-ups in the middle of their workplace. <laughs> <laughs> my youngest, when he was doing ninja training, that that was a thing pre-pandemic for him. And he was a competitive swimmer and he decided he wanted a pull-up bar, you know, in his bedroom. So honest to goodness, this kid at like nine or 10 years old was doing pull-ups every night because he was training for these ninja courses that he was doing with friends, which I thought was fantastic. But I said, how many 10-year-olds are asking their parents for a pull-up bar to put in their bedroom, <laughs> but he had one. I had P90X when I was, uh, you know, 10, 11, 12. I asked for P90X for Christmas. If anyone remembers those old uh, Tony yeah. Morton videos back in the day, yeah. that was the next I step sure up do. from Jane Fonda. <laughs> P90X craze. Hey, Richard Simmons. I love uh, it. Rich, I love uh, it. Man, he disappeared that man. Yes, he did. He did. But the same thing is uh, the progression of supplementation as well as the progression of, you know, as Scott, you know, can attest to is the world's changed drastically. And yet some of us are still stuck in the past where we now have this technology, we have this information out there. We just need to have the right sources speaking the information to us or, or finding the information for us. Absolutely. That's why I think it's so important. You know, I always say my platform is to educate, inspire and empower women and indirectly men too, because women oftentimes are the ones that are the dispensers of information. Scott, I definitely want to make sure that we talk about what makes our joint product, our joint effort so unique, uh, the creatine monohydrate that we have created through MD Logic. So let's touch on that in terms of what makes it different, what makes it unique. Obviously, one of the reasons why I wanted to create my own supplement was I didn't find anything else on the market that met my specifications. And admittedly, I'm a little bit OCD um, coming from, you know, an allopathic medical model. And, you know, obviously for years prescribing medications and being very specific and deliberate with how I took care of my patients. Well, I think, Cynthia, first, it starts with the what we had talked or I alluded to earlier, which is that GNP is the sort of the bare minimum things that you need to follow. There's a set of guidelines that are very specific. I mean, and they go from the font size on the labeling to, you know, how you're supposed to uh, package certain products away from each other so they don't cross-contaminate, uh, even down to things like, uh, let me see if I can read it here real quick. 
calibration of the machines. So you've got to calibrate each machine, test the machine, you know, write down the fact that you, you did calibrate it appropriately. Then you've got to scrub and clean the machine, test the machine for residues. And then all this has to be documented. So there's like a lot of these little things that are taken for granted that you don't do, but you need to do that. And people that pass, you know, their GMP certification do all of these basic things. But when it came to identity of the product, that's where, where there's a big difference. And they had, I had mentioned that you can just use the C of A, what's called the Certificate of Authorization from the FDA and the supplier. And you don't have to test the identity yourself. That's too dangerous for more we said. So here's what happens first. We go to an FDA approved C company that has a C of A that's recent within less than a year that says this product has passed the FDA certification of identity. So we never go to anyone else. They've got to, that's the starting point. Then we order the product, we take it into our warehouse and then it's quarantined. It does not enter the main facility. That's important because let's say it has mold or yeast or something, some other toxin inside it, and you haven't done your test yet. Well, guess what? Now you've infected your entire facility. Most places just, they don't necessarily do that. I shouldn't say most places. I don't know what most places do, but I do know that there are ways around that. And when you see warning letters on the facility itself, not for marketing purposes, but on the facility and the practices, that's one of the more common things you'll see is that there's some kind of cross-contamination. And it usually happens because they put things too close together, they didn't uh, clean the machines properly, or they haven't stored the products properly. But we quarantine it, we test it, and we don't just test it for identity. We test it for identity, purity, strength, mold, yeast, toxins, and compliance before it enters our facility. So once it's passed all of that, then we bring it into the facility. And we don't just test like the top layer or one box. We test, if they send five boxes, we're gonna test a scoop in the middle of those each five boxes before it enters the facility. So that's step one. So we know when it, by the time it gets to the facility, the identity, purity, strength, and compliance of that product and toxins have been tested so that it doesn't interfere with anything else. And we are making sure that what the COA that already came from the company that provided that active ingredient is accurate. Now we're good. So then we go through the process and we create, we make sure everything is stored properly in a climate control facility. That's another thing they said in here. Is it stored appropriately? Not everything is stored in a climate controlled facility. I don't want to pick on the large shipping companies, but who knows what facilities those products are being stored in and for how long, and especially if it's an oil, my goodness, what's going on? So that's number one. Then we do batch testing, which means we randomly will take product off the shelf at, through the line. We'll just grab a bottle as it's being made, we test that. We also do testing for stability. We put it through a rigorous like heat test and moisture test to make sure that the product is going to stay fresh for two years or three years, depending on what the, that, that product is. And then we do a final test to say, okay, we've done this final test. At the very end, the product is complete. It's in the bag. It's in the, you know, ready to go. Now we're going to do all of those tests plus an additional one. Let's say it's a, it's a multi-combination blend, but yours is not. Yours is just one ingredient, pure mon creatine monohydrate. That's it. There's no fillers, no anti-caking agents, no nothing. That's it. It's just creatine monohydrate, which is a thing of beauty. But if let's say it did have other things, we do all four of those tests over again. 
Plus, we would then say, and does it have what we say it had in it? So if we say it has 50 milligrams of vitamin C, 1,000 IUs of vitamin D, 25 milligrams of vitamin B6, at the end of that, does it pass all the purity tests? Because something can get contaminated along the way, right? So you got to test for purity again, strength again, identity again. And then you also have to test, is what we said in it, in it, at those right dosages. That's when it goes out the door. So we know that it's been climate controlled, that it's been tested before it came in, that's been tested along the way, it's been tested for freshness, and it's been tested before it goes out that door. And that's why I feel great about taking our products. And lastly, we're working really hard towards single breeding products or combination products that don't have harsh, what we call anti-caking agents. And that is what you would call your magnesium stearates, your palmitates, or your silicon dioxide. So in my book, magnesium stearate, that's not such a big deal in small doses. But if you're taking 75 different capsules a day, it can add up. So we're trying to minimize that or eliminate it where we can. It's not always possible. But we have been starting to use monolorian, which is almost, it's actually a dietary supplement used in digestion. Uh, but we're using that where in place of these other things. Now it's tripled the price. So sometimes we'll say, why is your product so expensive? Well, we got to make it in small batches because for lots of different reasons. And we got to use these very expensive non, you know, I'll call them steroids for lack of a better one. Silicon dioxide, I think is the worst so that we can make a pure product that I feel great about taking every day in my life that my kids can take every day of their life. So if the sticker price hits you a little, just remember we've gone through all those extra processes to make sure that it's pure. And then we're trying to go even a step further. And then we're trying to reduce the plastics and things. So like, for example, yours comes in a pouch rather than a plastic jar, which minimizes the exposure to the product and to the environment for phthalates and plastics, which I know you, we talk a lot about how you know, plastic is an endocrine disruptor. And in some cases, when we use pills or, or other things, we're using glass. So we're really trying to get away from harsh plastics and other products. And that's like phase two. That's our 2023 goal is to really clean up the entire line to make it as pure as possible. It's not always going to be possible to have zero magnesium steroid in it. I just want to be clear about that. Um, but we're working our way towards that. But I think the big difference is the quality uh starting with and then the way it's packaged makes a big deal and then the way that it's refined in terms of like how how does it dissolve so your creatine dissolves super easy most creatines do but yours dissolves super easy it's like i said a single ingredient it's in not in a big plastic tub and i think all of those things each one of those incremental uh, improvements separates your creatine from the pack and of course it's monohydrate and I think Kara would agree that is the most studied best creatine you're going to get for your money. Yeah, I'm so very grateful that we were able to partner and uh, we're getting ready to talk about the next supplement. But before we talk about that on a subsequent podcast, I just wanted to make sure that listeners knew that there's a creatine holiday special coming up uh, December 22nd through January 5th with Cynthia 20, you will get 20% off on creatine, which is really exciting. And then I also want to mention my favorite melatonin because it has both a sustained and non-sustained release. 
Uh, by far, this is the most efficacious melatonin I've ever taken. I told Scott that I made the mistake of taking the amount I used to take with another manufacturer and I could not wake up in the morning. Um, so I tried know, to warn you. <laughs> yes, you did. And I, I didn't believe you, but now I do. And so really efficacious, very cost effective. The melatonin, there'll be 20% off for the melatonin from December 16th through the 31st. And that is 20% off your first bottle with Cynthia 20. Again, that's December 16th through January 31st. And then in January, there's going to be a subscription for 25% off for life. And that is upcoming, but I'm really very grateful for both of your time today. I know that listeners will get a lot of value out of both of your backgrounds and your contributions. I can't thank you both enough. Please let listeners know how to connect with you outside of this podcast how to connect with you, Kara, if they'd like to work with you, Scott, if they would like to learn more about MD Logic. Obviously, you can go to my website, but if they want to learn more. So for myself, you could find me on Instagram. Do not make fun of the Instagram handle. It is K-I-L-E-R-K-0. Uh, that's Killer K with one L. Just always kept the name. And then once I did the Titan Game Show, I had to keep that. And then on my website is also on my social media channel, but just karakillian.com. You could also email me from there, sign up for the newsletter, and we can stay connected. And for me, my Instagram handle is uh, Longevity Protocol at Longevity Protocol. And you can also reach me via email if you go to the uh, MD Logic site and you want to work with us in some way or work with me, feel free to go to the MD Logic site and just send something to the customer uh, service with what you'd like to talk about and they'll get you in touch with me. Awesome. Thank you so much for your time today. Thank you. Thank you so much. If you love this podcast episode, please leave a rating and review, subscribe and tell a friend. Just as you carefully choose the cut of meat or freshness of produce that you cook at home, you should carefully choose chemical-free cookware that provides a healthy and safe cooking experience. The materials in 360 cookware are safe, sustainable, and of the highest quality. Their cookware is 100% free from any toxic chemicals as the company produces quality stainless steel cookware and bakeware without added chemicals, and all are manufactured in the United States. It's also the leading manufacturer that equips kitchens with cookware and bakeware that are free of all of the toxic chemicals and coatings, including PFAS, Teflon, and ceramic. And the best thing is that when used properly, the product's construction provides nonstick properties in a product that can be passed down through generations. Go to www.360cookware.com and use code CYNTHIA20 for 20% off your first order. Again, that's 360cookware.com and use code CYNTHIA20 for 20% off your first order. We've been using their products over the last several months and have really been pleased with not only the durability, but ease of cleanliness.